Hey, everybody, and welcome to Start Local, a podcast focused on helping businesses in Chester County, PA, and the greater Philly area as we try to navigate through this COVID-19 economy. Now, before I bring in my fellow co-host, Liam, and our guest today, I do want to tell you about Start Local Monthly. It's our monthly newsletter. Uh, It is very free. It comes to you once a month. It sums up the episodes we've had in the past few weeks. It gives you some news and information around the county and the greater area. And it's a good resource. We're getting ready to uh, send our inaugural uh, newsletter very soon, uh, as there is lots of stuff happening around the county as we move into the holiday season. So if you want to sign up for that, it's very free, very monthly. You can go to startlocal.co slash news. That's startlocal.co slash news. Okay. First, let me bring in my fellow co-host, Liam Dempsey. Liam, how are you today? Joe, I am fantastic. I am very proud of you for successfully using inaugural in well in a grammatically correct way. I, I am I'm a, this is a podcast I can be proud of now. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. I'm very, you know, I, I'm very concerned about words uh, because, you know, it's it's important. So I try not to use annual until we have the second one, right? That's a big sticking point as well. Uh, but this podcast is not about semantics. It's about small, small, medium, big businesses here in Chester County. And I am very happy to welcome our guest, Bill Kovaleski. He's the co-founder and brewmaster at Victory. Bill, how are you today? I am doing extremely well, Joe. Thanks for asking. I really appreciate the generosity of your your time today. Our pleasure. Uh, the honor is ours. Thank you for taking time out of your day to talk to us on our podcast here. Uh, now, we have a couple of questions for you regarding uh, your role as chairman of the Pennsylvania Restaurant and Lodging Association. But before we get to that, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Oh, gosh. Uh, So I founded Victory Brewing Company by working with my best friend since the age of 1970, since the date of 1973, when we were 10. So Ron and I wrote our business plan after working in the brewing industry in 1994. And uh, with the assistance of friends and family, we were able to open the doors of our Downingtown Brewery and Tap Room in February of 1996. And uh, it's been a blur since then. I don't recall the rest. Now, <laughs> it's been uh, wonderful, the engagement and support of the community, um, the ability to create careers and have the incredible energy of so many people come through our doors, work in our operations, and uh, create unique experiences in beer and cuisine. That's fantastic. Uh, Liam and I are both uh, big fans of your work. Uh, I'm I'm very happy to see that you've in recent years introduced some uh, a couple of sours if I'm uh, remembering mm-hmm. correctly. Uh, those are my favorites. But uh, yeah, w- anyway, we're we're big fans of your work, and thank you so uh, for coming on the show and giving us a little bit of um, of intro there. I do have one more question, if I can. Uh, as brewmaster, what what do you do? Because I have a few friends who are in brewing, uh, either as a hobby or as actual uh, brewers. Uh, and I'm I'm always fuzzy on the details. Yeah, so um, the qualification starts with the fact that um, I graduated with a diploma from the uh, Domans Institute in Munich. Ron attended and uh, is certified by the University of Technical University of Munich at Weinstephan. Um, at any rate, we had the hands-on roles from the beginning and have over time grown an incredibly talented uh, crew that does the the brewing. 
and uh, really product development. So our roles at this point is uh, to advise, to guide, to create the targets, monitor the results, and basically liberate a very talented and creative crew to do their very best work. Thank you for explaining that. That's very helpful. And as a, a loyal customer, I am also happy to monitor the results if, if you need anybody to come <laughs> in and try things. Yeah, um, that's the best part, right? Monitoring <laughs> results. Bill, when I moved to the area, I'm originally from, from the Midwest. When I moved to the area, I was uh, literally dragged by, by new neighbors and colleagues out here down to Victory Brewing's location in Downingtown. And one of the things that struck me, aside from the, the real quality of beer, uh, I'll be honest, it took me a while to get into the food because I was just interested in, in, in overwhelmed by the good beer, was the, the camaraderie and the kind of community aspect and the friendliness of both the staff and, and the other customers. And you shared uh, in the run-up to this conversation about how you, know, you are a, a brewmaster, you make beer, that's, that's, that was your, your love in, in your business start. But that as Victory Brewing Company grew and you got into being a restaurant owner and having to come up with menus and all the things that come with creating a, a wider experience for customers, that you looked around to try to learn from the community of folks who have already done that. And you shared that that led you into becoming a part of the Pennsylvania Restaurant and Lodging Association. And now, a few years down the road after you joined, you're now the chairman. What's that been like? We know the the hospitality sector has been just crippled since COVID-19. Talk to us about this, if you would. Yeah, it's a fantastic question. I appreciate it. Um, I've been characterizing the experience of being chairman of the PRLA this year uh, as to my friends as basically being in the front seat of the roller coaster. Um, you know, the twists and turns, the surprises, the change changes um, are getting thrown at the organization very, very quickly. Fortunately, we have an extremely talented CEO and our board, similar to the role of brewmaster, we've sort of point to the directions, point to the opportunities, and um, our CEO does a lot of the heavy lifting. But it's been a very, very integrated top team this year uh, to communicate, set goals, and look through the windshield and see what the threats and opportunities are. But um, in terms of my ascension into that role, it's a three-step process. You're first treasurer, then you're co-chair, and then you're chairman. I began the year as co-chair. But unfortunately, our chairman uh, had to leave the state to take another uh, job. And uh, so on March the 14th, I was appointed chairman. And we all know what happened on March the 17th um, with the closure of uh, five counties, uh, including Chester County, and then the 19th with all 67 counties of Pennsylvania. So um, auspicious timing for sure. Uh, as an organization, the very first thing we did was got serious about what membership would be looking like down the road. Um, we, the revenues are driven by membership. Um, so we revised the whole membership model, which caused the furlough of our sales staff of five at PRLA. Um, that included four additional administrative positions. So immediately we were reduced by 60% in the headcount of the organization. And in changing the membership model, we rephrased or restated our mission that we would be the provider of information that was essential to hospitality operators to operate not only through this pandemic, 
but through the future as well. And therefore, in the interest of public safety, we made all of the resources and advisories that uh, PRLA had at our disposal free to everyone. Um, We began detailed daily updates via email, again, free to anyone who subscribed. Um, And we increased the volume and pace of our webinars and advisories as well. Um, So, again, we looked at our role as... um, operators in public health, which of course food services every day. And we wanted to make sure that everyone, member or non-member, was going to have the resources they need to do the very best things they could for their community. That's and, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna ask a follow-up question. Feel free to finish your thought. So the other great thing about changing our strategy on membership was that um at that time, Pennsylvania had essentially 26,000 hospitality operations, uh, of which PRLA could only boast about 2,700 as members. So even though we were the legitimate voice of the industry, we really didn't have anywhere near the majority of all operations in. And historically, we were almost more driven from a white tablecloth sort of perspective uh, with a due structure based on annual revenues. So we changed the dues down to a dollar a day, in essence, for restaurant operations, um, thinking that if, if you can't afford a dollar a day for essential information to run your business, then probably you're not the best member anyway in the long term. Um, and uh, so that really sort of opens up a whole new realm of possibility for us to engage with lots of operations that we hadn't before. And uh, it's got to broaden the um, diversity and depth of the organization, which is something I very much look forward to. That's really fantastic. And I was actually going to ask kind of what changes you made to a membership, because as, as, you, as you probably know, uh, when there's chance of a big economic downturn or, or revenues or profits decreasing, people take a, a hard look at what they're spending money on uh, and then need to figure it out. So um, I, you kind of answered my question already, but I do want to highlight the, the fact that you said that dues are $1 a day. Um, I think that's a, a good way to put it, right? Because people might get a sticker shock from $365 a year, but $1 a day, I mean, that's like, you know, you should be able to pay that. Right, right. And just to clarify, that's the fee if you pay, you know, for a full year in advance, we actually do have a monthly rate as well, which mm-hmm. only boosts it, you know, a few bucks. Yeah. But, uh, you know, lots of lots of options. And to give you some perspective on that, Joe, um, prior, so that's really a reduction by almost two thirds for most, uh, you know, existing established members. So it's a significant change to the organization. Um, and stepping away from having, you know, human sales representatives um, really does present a challenge for us in our communications and the vitality of the organization to, to fulfill that mission of being essential to operators. So we're taking on a big challenge, no doubt about it. That's really interesting. Uh, to put you on the spot a little bit, has the change in pricing structure, you said it's bringing in different types of members. Do you, can you share any information about the volume of membership and how that might have changed? Yeah, great question. Thanks, Liam. Um, since March the 15th, we've had nearly 150 new members join organically. Um, and uh, the scale of them are typically relatively small. 
Um, we may be looking, uh, we are looking right now at um, sole proprietor pizza shops, um, delis. So again, folks that in the past hadn't necessarily joined our organization for all the benefits of advocacy and information, but uh, now they see it as hopefully essential and reasonable to be a member. Yeah, I think in, in COVID-19, we hear from all sorts of businesses about there's so many different organizations, institutions, levels of government sharing information that in running a business, especially a small business where we're doing so many different tasks, it's difficult to disaggregate which we need to action today, which we can leave until m- next month and what we should be thinking about towards the end of the quarter. So that kind of service where you're paying somebody to pay attention and figure out what matters to your size business or your side of the, the sector is really important, really valuable. What a great service. Yeah, absolutely. So the other thing, too, that the organization is extremely good at is advocacy, representing the interests of the hospitality community. And for many operators, um, there's a, a frustration of just, you know, hearing new ideas come out of Harrisburg that may or may not suit their business well and having the frustration of not feeling like they have a voice in order to uh, educate their elected officials. And so the advocacy aspect of the PRLA is really a significant benefit, um, aggregating the voices and uh, lobbying. And I know the term lobbying always felt like a dirty word to me, but when you step back and you realize that your elected officials do need education so that they can best represent the interests of the community you serve, your employees, your patrons, your shareholders. It never ceases to amaze me when I have my few days in Harrisburg and we meet with elected officials. And as soon as we walk out the door as hospitality operators, in walks the dental hygienists and then the actuarials and then the lumberjacks and then the steam fitters. And it's just, it's mind boggling the interests that an elected official has to be educated on. Um, so advocacy is actually a, uh, an important obligation of any trade association and really any business owner. Um, if you don't make your interests known, you really can't expect them to be understood and supported. Yeah, I think that's a really important point, And it's one we were hearing in our previous conversation with Cheryl Kuhn from the Southern Chester County Chamber of Commerce around bringing folks together for a louder shared voice. And even if the voice, you know, drifts on both ends of whatever issue it might be, at least there's some commonalities there. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I think advocacy is important, especially since it's very hard for one business. Even a huge business can struggle to get get its voice heard, uh, much less uh, smaller businesses. I want to change gears us on a, change gears on us a little bit. He says with some difficulty, and ask you about how you got started with the PRLA. You know, we talked about that you you started your business, your brewing business in 1994, but at some point uh, you decided you needed to join a. A restaurant yeah. lodging association. Walk us through that and what that's meant for you. Um, yeah, thank you for that question. So the fact of the matter is, as I detailed earlier, Ron and I have training as brewmasters. Um, neither of us had actually ever worked in a restaurant on the service side or on the kitchen side of things, which is, um, you know, a big gap in our, our experience, right? So when we're running tap rooms. So uh, I guess it was about 2006 when I came to recognize the potential benefit of membership in the PRLA so that I might learn from my peers and be a better uh, restaurant operator 
based on the camaraderie and expertise that I could gain from my peers. You know, secondarily, it was easy to to justify as well, because, of course, we have products that uh, serve well (laughs) in restaurants. So, you know, the opportunity, the platform to meet with my peers who might buy beer products for their operations was good as well. But I really expected to learn more than anything. I was walking in almost as an empty vessel. Um, ready to be filled. And lo and behold, over time, um, I have apparently achieved enough knowledge and expertise to uh, be trusted to be the chairman of the organization, which is really cool because I can continue to contribute what I've learned to established peers, um, yet also be helpful to entrepreneurs that are new and getting into this business. And there has been a tremendous amount of sort of hybrid hospitality models where manufacturers such as wineries, breweries, distilleries are exercising a retail-driven model uh, to support their manufacturing. So um, it gives me a great base of experience to nurture some of those organizations as they find their way in the, uh, in the hospitality side of things. And you know, the, the experience is, is wonderful, too, because what you see is everyone comes together to contribute what they have to offer, especially here in this pandemic. Um, we have communities within communities. So we have restaurateurs who have taken their time to go out and basically do um, checks on restaurant operations uh, without any authority but with plenty of expertise to see if all the protocols, all the safety protocols are in place on Fridays and Saturday nights and basically advise that operator if they see something that's amiss, something that could be improved upon. So um, that's what's really neat about being part of this hospitality community is that uh, we look out for one another. Um, And in doing so, what we do is we raise the level of consciousness and quality of overall public health. That's uh, that's great. And I love hearing that. And something that you said that made me think um, about maybe my own personal experiences is um, that you joined this trade organization to learn from other members and peers. You know, I've heard of um, joining the Chamber of Commerce or there are some other uh, organizations that uh, I I did not feel were super great. I won't like name them, but um, uh I think that working in a digital medium for me makes it hard for me to see the benefit of joining these trade organizations. But a lot of our listeners, I suspect, are not in the digital uh, realm. And so uh, I really like that you spoke to your experience about that and uh, how encouraging it is to see these trade organizations help each other out. Yeah, um, I mean, there's so many things that uh, like minds can accomplish when they actually get together and they do find common commonality and consensus. And uh, if we all stay separated and we don't have these conversations, then there's so much less that we can achieve. I, uh, I kind of look at everything that life presents you as fitting into one of two buckets, obligation or opportunity. And so you might say, well, joining a trade association is an obligation. I have to pay dues. I have to show up at meetings. Um, I look at things like that as an opportunity to learn from my peers, to express uh, the interests of my employees, my uh, operation, and essentially find the things that we can work on together. And um, 
that philosophy of opportunity or obligation has served me very well because it's often allowed me to take a thing that truly is an obligation and look at it more positively and turn it into an opportunity for progress. I'm going to second Bill's uh, statement around the value of trade associations and you know, chambers of commerce and the value that they can bring. I'm I, A few years ago now, I joined uh, the Chester County Economic Development Council's ITAG initiative, which is Innovative Technology Action Group. And that's just been a, a wonderful opportunity to get to know businesses of all sizes and all foci across Chester County and kind of the greater Delaware River Valley area. And it's like Bill, I, I came to it like, let me just see where this goes. It seems an opportunity to meet and to learn, and it's just been so rewarding. And I've learned so much about the county, and to your point, Bill, about the commonalities of of all the different businesses and shapes and sizes still have a lot of similarities of what they're trying to do, and they're trying to build community and, and pay their bills and support their team and provide great service. And that intersectionality of, of business to achieve common goals that bring some level of value to everybody is hugely important and, and really helps a, a community flourish. Yeah, and what you just shared there, Liam, I mean, your participation in that group, I can see being very valuable because, you know, sometimes it takes people to get together to differentiate their ideas, right? You don't necessarily want to be creating a competitive business model to someone who may be better resourced and may be your neighbor. And that will allow you the opportunity to pivot or perhaps add energy to that competing company and uh, make it better and stronger. So yeah, I think that those conversations are important. I, I, there's no such thing as a bad conversation in my mind. Um, it may take you 30 seconds to realize you're talking to someone you never wish to speak to again. And you've learned something there. You may take there's there's thirty seconds to meet your new best friend. Um, so always worthwhile. Bill, thank you so much for sharing some of your insight and your experience today and coming on the show. Uh, if people want to learn more about you and everything that you do, where can they find you? Uh, so victorybeer.com is the best source of information on Victory Brewing Company. I don't participate too much on social media, but on Twitter, I am uh, victory underscore Bill. And on Instagram, I am at Bill Kovaleski. Um, and you know, one thing that we hadn't touched upon that uh, I think is worth mentioning, um, within the context of the Pennsylvania Restaurant and Lodging Association, there was a uh, hospitality relief effort created called the uh, Hospitality Assistance Response of Pennsylvania. Victory and 135 other donors have contributed to this effort. And to date, it has raised $257,627, awarding grants to 848 hospitality workers who find themselves out of work and in need. And um, our contribution was this really cool T-shirt that uh, revised our my original Kegman design from 1994. And... Uh, so uh, I believe that like as of last week, there were 61 of those shirts still left. So uh, if you do wander onto victorybeer.com, you know, stop by the gift shop. Awesome. I will be sure to link all of that in the show notes. And is there a specific, uh, is there a specific URL or, or place for, um, for Harp? Uh, there is at the Pennsylvania Restaurant and Lodging Association. Um, I'll share that URL with you. So you get it up there for the, uh, 
for the pod, okay? Yeah, perfect. And you will be able to find all of the show notes over at startlocal.co. Bill, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. You gentlemen are welcome. Thank you for your good questions. Thanks for your time, Bill. Really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, Until next time, stay safe out there. 